0: Are you ready to study God's Word? Get your Bibles out and I'm going to be reading out of several different passages here in just a moment. You can turn to Romans chapter 8. That's where we will begin. I'll also be reading out of Ephesians here in just a moment. Uh, Today is the day that we commonly refer to on the calendar as Easter. Um, I like to use the term Resurrection Sunday. And uh, of this I'm convinced If the people of God really understood and lived what the resurrection really means and provides, the world would no longer put it on the calendar. You know, the world by and large puts up with Easter celebrations because for many, it's little more than a trip to church and the Easter bunny and Easter eggs and special dinners, family get togethers. Others think it's a quaint, somewhat moving story of a teacher named Jesus who got wrongly killed but made a comeback. Sort of like the spiritual version of Rocky. Or like the Karate Kid or Rudy. And so it becomes this this innocuous, harmless little event that Christians do once a year. It's a reason to... Help the fashion industry as we all go out and get new clothes and update our wardrobes and. And so they really don't mind us celebrating it. But if the world really saw coming out of God's people resurrection power. They wouldn't put it on the calendar anymore. I mean if we really got a revelation about what happened at the empty tomb. It would cause such upheaval in the kingdom of darkness that all hell would mobilize to keep it suppressed and to keep it a secret. But it's because of our lack of understanding in what should be the most foundational, I think, of concepts that the world says, go ahead, put it on your calendar, celebrate it, shout about it, tell the story, because it makes no difference in your quality of life or your ability to prevail over what I throw at you. I remember I've told this story before, some of you may remember it, but Years ago, as I went through school, I remember reading one of the books of the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, and he was just sort of this, this caustic analyzer of Danish society, and he told a story about what he called a duck church. Duck church. He said at this duck church and in the land of ducks, as they would all gather on Sunday morning and go to church... There would be this duck preacher who would come into the church as he waddled in. All of the ducks of the city would waddle their way into the church to become a duck congregation. And they would all be sitting there on a Sunday morning, duck preacher, duck congregation. And he would begin to preach his message to the ducks. He would say, God created ducks to fly. And the duck congregation would go, quack, quack. The duck preacher would go, you were created as ducks to soar above the earth. And a little bit louder, the duck congregation would go, quack, quack. He would look at them and say, you are not meant to grub around in the dirt as mere birds. Quack, 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 quack. He would say, you were not meant to waddle around life like mere ducks. Quack, 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 quack. So he would end his message and say, so ducks, arise. Fly. You're to go forth and soar. And there would be this frenzied quacking that would go on in the congregation. And the ducks would get in the aisle. And they just get all stirred up, quack, 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 quack. And then when service was over, they'd pick up their things and they'd waddle on home. Do you get it? Now, I cannot answer for you, but I am tired of shouting about the promises, but still waddling on home. You see, God never meant for it to be that way. He never meant for us just to come to church and shout up a storm and hoot and holler and do all the things we do. And then to walk out the door and never be the same. In other words, when the Bible says that we're to rise up on wings as eagles. That we're to run and not be weary. We're to walk and not faint. When we preach these things, they aren't just shouting verses. It's not just something we get all happy about and then we walk out weary and we walk out tired and we can't elevate ourselves above everything we're facing. Some disconnect has taken place and I honestly believe the disconnect has happened is because we've we've not walked in revelation. We've not walked in insight and understanding. We don't understand all that took place when Jesus sprung out of that tomb. And so this morning I'm going to talk about, and and I'll explain this in just a moment a little bit further, but just bear with me, just go with me this morning. I'm going to talk about a new type of Christianity. A new type of Christianity. You know, it's interesting, as Trace was sharing during prayer time, she said a couple of, of things. And, you know, we never coordinate with regards to what she shares at prayer time and what I'm going to share in the congregation. But I wrote down here these words. It says, I am determined that this is going to be a different Easter. I am determined that this is going to be a different Easter. I'm going to tell you the story again. But just as on Wednesday night past, I wanted you to get a revelation of the cross. I want you to get a revelation of what the resurrection really means. Now, in Romans 8, verse 11, and then I'm going to spring over to the book of Ephesians. Let me just read you some things that I, that I hope begins to move. I hope God begins to move in you and, and you begin to see this like you've never seen it before. Romans eight eleven it says this. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. Now, he's just not talking about biological existence. He's just not talking that you get to live and function and your body operates biologically like it's supposed to. But what he means there is that you will have a quality of existence. You will have, in fact, the literal Greek word is zoe. You will have, you will have a, a, an abundance. You will have a, a distinguishable difference. You will have something that, that, that gives you sort of a, a, a cut above normal everyday existence. He says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your eternal bodies. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. See, for too long, we've come to Easter service, resurrection service, and we got excited because we've just preached the fact that if Jesus has risen, you too shall one day rise from the dead and you'll get to be with Jesus in heaven someday. Isn't that good news, though? Now, that is good news. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. That's wonderful news. That no matter when my time is up, that at the moment I die, I simply transition and I get to go to be with Jesus in eternity because I've received him into my life. Now, that's good news and that's basic gospel. But listen to what he says. He says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal This is what mortal means in the original Greek. Your body right now. Are you with me? I'm a mortal, you're a mortal. He'll give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, is that not... You need to just let that soak for a minute. Because what he says is, is the same spirit, listen to me, the same spirit... That raised Jesus from the dead. That's pretty remarkable. He says that same spirit. Will give life. A distinguishable quality of existence. A different type of existence. That same spirit will put that kind of life. The same life. That raised Jesus up from the dead. You understand that was the spirit of life. He was dead. The spirit of life comes. Raises him up. He says that that same spirit. Will come to your mortal right now body. You see where I'm going with this. And give you a distinguishable advantage. A distinguishable difference. You will have something happen in you that took place in that empty tomb it will happen in you in this mortal body that will forever make you different now i don't know about you but number one is i don't want to live like my next door neighbor i don't know about your next door neighbor you may have a great one but i guarantee right now i don't want to live like my next door neighbor I want a distinguishable difference to happen in my life. But can I just share this with you? Most Christians right now in the era we live in, most Christians don't get beyond the forgiveness understanding. They get forgiven from their sin, but they never understand how to overcome their sin. They get forgiven for their behavior. They get forgiven for their, their mistakes, but they never get to the place where they can begin to press through and be triumphant. Where they can press through and be overcomers. Where they can press through and be more than conquerors. We are satisfied to live forgiven, but we don't look any different than the dysfunctional world you and I live in. You're following me now. Sure, we divorce as much as the world does. We're just as screwed up as the world. Now listen to me. What we've done is, is that we've looked at this, we've looked at the church being as messed up as the world, we know how messed up the world is, and what we've done is we've simply decided that must be the way it was designed to be. And I'm telling you, it's not. We have got to get a revelation of what happened at that empty tomb. Now listen to this. And if you're a guest today, God bless you, I'm glad you're here. Hope you come back. But this is just kind of how we are, so. Ephesians 1, now listen really carefully. Because I'm going to, if you'll listen carefully, you'll hear somebody's mind go pop. Ephesians 1, 15, therefore I also, Paul writes, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That's good to know, Paul was praying for him. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, listen, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, God just doesn't want you to have the story. He doesn't want you just to have the info on it. He wants you to have wisdom and revelation or unveiling. For those of you that don't know what revelation means, what it means is it's like the old cartoon characters. I used to use this as a illustration. You've probably watched a cartoon before and the the cartoon character is considering something and then all of a sudden this light bulb goes on over his head. It's like, bing, I get it. That's revelation. It's the moment the light bulb goes on and you go, you know, I've heard that a number of times, but this is the first time I really got it. He says, I'm praying that you get wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He says this, he says, the eyes of your understanding, some of your versions will say the eyes of your heart being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints. But listen to this verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power, listen, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul says, I am praying for you Ephesians. I am praying for the church there at Ephesus that you would get a revelation, that you would understand that there is this exceeding greatness of power that is wanting to move toward you and it's coming toward you because... God raised up Jesus from the dead, but you won't ever get a hold of it until you get revelation, until the eyes of your heart are opened, until something happens beyond this natural thing we're doing, and internally something clicks, and you go, I get it. Now jump over to Ephesians 2, and we're going to stop here, and then I'm going to get to holler a whole lot more. All right, I always like that. Ephesians 2 verse 4 but God it says who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses isn't that cool God loved you when you were doing everything known to man that was wrong even when we were dead in trespasses but he made us alive together everyone say together you know what together means yeah see your Greek scholars already He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So get this now. When he raised Jesus up from the dead, when you opened up your life to him... You became joined to him and together. See, I just heard a pop. Together, there is a quality of life that is now available to you. That is absolutely, incredibly over the top supernatural. Now, before I get there, let's just talk a little bit about the resurrection. What happened at the resurrection? Before we can understand all of this as deeply as it needs to go, let me just go back and make sure we covered what happened at the first resurrection. On that first resurrection morning nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus, as you will recall, had through the cross, became the perfect lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He became the sacrifice for sin. He spent three days and three nights in the grave. He satisfied the demands of justice that a holy God requires when it comes to the wages of sin. The Bible says we all have sinned. You, me, all of us have sinned. If you don't think you've sinned, just by virtue of that thought you've sinned. We have all sinned. Some are big sinners, some are little sinners. Some are outlandish sinners, some are really adept, refined sinners. But we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so because a holy God cannot stand in the existence of sin, we, we couldn't have a relationship with God. None of us could have a relationship with God if everything stayed like that. And so knowing that we had no capacity in and of ourselves to make that right so that we, as fallen creatures, could have a relationship with a holy God, he set up the plan of sending Jesus who became the perfect sacrifice. He took upon himself all sin, all sicknesses, all curses. He took upon himself all of that and he paid the price that we couldn 't pay he literally listened to this for those three days and three nights, many people don 't know this, but Jesus in those three days literally went to hell and back. He went, the Bible says and descended to the lower parts. He went he went to hell, listen to me, Jesus went to hell, so you and i wouldn 't have to and, and furthermore here 's the deal. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He created it for the devil and his angels. It really wasn't created for us. The only reason there's a possibility that any of us could go there is because we refuse to deal with the sin issue. And a holy God is not going to stand in the presence of sin. And so something had to change. And so Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world. He literally, in those three days and three nights, went to hell and back. While he was down there, he said, well, as long as I'm here, I'll just go ahead and empty out paradise. And I'll just take all the Old Testament saints with me who were being held in hell for ransom. He looses them. And suddenly after three days, he emerges from that empty tomb. And he becomes the first fruit, the Bible says. He begins He begins to demonstrate the prototype of what we call the new creation. He threw off, hear me now, he was sin, he became sin, the Bible says, in order that we might become the righteousness of God. But hear me, when he comes out of the tomb, this is cool. He bursts out of that tomb and he begins to throw off everything that was placed on him. He threw off all powers and principalities. He threw off all sickness and disease. He threw off all hurts and wounds. All curses and torments. All depressions and mental illnesses. Every bit of poverty and lack. And he went to the devil's house himself in hell. And according to Colossians 2.15, it says that he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And as he came forth full of the life, the Zoe life of God, there was Pilate and Rome and Herod and the religious system, which thought it had gotten rid of Jesus, but they did not realize that not only was he back but he was prepared to give that life and power to millions of people who would go forth and be called new creation people. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so hear me now. While everybody's wiping their hands off thinking we finally got rid of this dude named jesus little did they know that they not only didn't get rid of him they just multiplied their problem by millions is that not incredible now here's where we start getting into a problem i don't want you to get me wrong those early disciples they were excited Somewhat puzzled, because when the word came back that he had arose, they were a little puzzled, mystified. But listen to me, truth is, even they did not fully get the ramifications of what had taken place. Listen to this. They had seen him die on the cross, but they didn't have a revelation yet of the cross. They knew his resurrection was a reality, but they didn't have a revelation of what all that meant. The reason I can tell you that is because we know that there was Thomas who doubted. They scattered. They were every which way. Peter couldn't be found. Jesus had to kind of bring them back again during that 40-day period that he walked amongst them after the resurrection. So we know they weren't getting it. And here are some, some men and some women who spent three years, listen to me, they spent three years rubbing shoulders. A mano a mano. I mean, they were next to Jesus. They could touch him as flesh and blood. They heard him in their own ears and by his own voice teach them. They spent three years with him and they didn't have a revelation of all that had taken place. Now, I'm going to stop here and I'm going to say something that if men and women who walk shoulder to shoulder with Jesus and experience the events that they experienced and can still lack insight and knowledge and revelation, why do you think that it might not be possible for those of us thousands of years later to have that same trouble? You see, I've listened to people through the years that said, well, you know, if I had opportunity to just walk with Jesus and hear Jesus, it would just be different. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be any different at all. Because walking with him in the flesh isn't what gives you revelation. It's having the eyes of your heart opened up in order to receive what God's trying to say to you and all of that. There are millions of people who know today the details of the story. All of you that have gathered here today, you're here because you pretty much know all the details of the story of Jesus. You've been to Sunday school. Maybe you grew up in church. You've heard enough of what it is about the life of Jesus that you pretty much have the major points down. You can repeat the general details with some familiarity. But here's our problem. Our problem is is that it has not made you or the church substantially different than your neighbor. It's not made you much different than your friends, not much different than your coworkers. You live what they live. You act like they act. You walk like they walk. You are, you are uh, just a punching bag for everything they're a punching bag for. You live what they live. You do walk around and say, but I'm forgiven. Well, hallelujah, put the bumper sticker on your car and we'll all shout with you that you're forgiven, but you're not perfect. But the fact of the matter is old things haven't passed away. They're still quite in charge in your life. It was Paul who, despite he had never walked one day with Jesus, Paul had never rubbed shoulders with Jesus. Paul didn't have the same experiences the rest of the disciples did, but it was Paul who got the revelation concerning all that Jesus did, all that he provided, and what the new creation meant in our lives as, as believers. And this is where we're picking it up as he begins to talk to the church at Rome and he begins to talk to the church at Ephesus and he's beginning to share some things with them folks that if we got a hold of, it would radically alter the way we do business. So what does it give to us? What does the resurrection give to us? Well, let me just go there. Paul said in all the verses I read to you, and unfortunately, you know, we only have just a short amount of time. I can't spend hours on this. I know some of you think that I could spend hours on this, but... Truth of the matter is, I've only read to you the tip of the iceberg. That the same spirit that raised Jesus up and made him to be the first fruit of many gives life, gives Zoe life to your mortal right now body. Right now, the same spirit is in this room that raised Jesus from the dead. The same spirit operates in the church as raised Jesus up from the dead. It can work in my mortal body right now. Just let that sink in for just a minute. Paul said, I'm going to pray that your eyes of your heart are enlightened to that very thing. And that right now, at this very moment, that the benefits Jesus received because he was an heir of God, because he was the son of God, is now yours. Because the Bible says that you and I have become, because we've received him, we've become joint heirs. With Jesus Christ. God doesn't have just one son, He has many sons and many daughters. It was never God's will that His children would be the toys, the playthings in the hands of the enemy. It was never God's will that we would be slaves to our senses. That we would be slaves to our mental torments. That we would be slaves to our lusts. It was never God's intent that somehow, you know, we would be no better than a barnyard animal. It really, I really, it just frustrates me when I I hear people say that, you know, that, you know, kids will be kids and people will be people and they're going to do what they're going to do. That's, no, that's the definition of a dog. That's an animal. That's not a human being created in the image of God. God. It was never his will that we would be slaves to our instincts, that we would be slaves to our lusts and our thoughts and our senses and our appetites and our sins. God's plan was when we received the revelation of who Jesus is, it would so revolutionize us that we would start to become as he is. That this new creation, golly bum. That we would be demon masters. That we would be world conquerors. That we would be just as unstoppable. That we would be as victorious as he is. Why? Because greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world, right? But, but this is how it looks. It's no longer greater as he. It's the, you are the same as he is in the world and that's never how it was meant to be absolutely in fact in romans chapter eight which is one of the greatest chapters in all the bible listen to this he tells us that this same spirit that raised jesus from the dead would give life to our mortal bodies he says a few more things i'm going to mention it here in just a few minutes but i want to go to the last verses of the chapter of romans chapter eight just listen to this man in romans 8 31 Listen to what he says. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Is it God? It is God who justifies Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep, For the slaughter. I'm going to stop there just a minute because what he's saying at this point is he's saying, I know what it says. It says life is hard. Your target practice. The enemy's shooting at you. This is not an easy place to live, this world. However, verse 37, yet in all these things, we are more, more than conquerors. See? See? Through him who loved us. Well, we can't stop there. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Hear me what I'm saying right now. I'm not talking about, I'm not preaching eternal security. I'm talking about the love of God which was so opened up for you in order to walk in and receive all that he is, he's saying this, that there is nothing, there is nothing that can stop you when you're in him. Now I called this message a new type of Christianity. When in truth, there's really nothing new about it. Except that we either have to get a new revelation or revive the revelation we've lost. To get the power of the resurrection flowing back in our lives every day now just so you know where we're headed i'm gonna try to paint a picture try to begin to sort of put out a vision of what these new creatures that we're called that's what you and i are called if you've received jesus it says you're a new creation you're something that's not existed before literally in the greek something that's not existed before You may have been one way before you met Jesus, but when you meet Jesus and get this revelation, something happens. Molecules move. I don't understand it all. It's a mystery. But suddenly, you're distinguishably different. Something is different in you. God lives in you. It was Peter who said that you have become a partaker of the divine nature. I heard some pops. So what does that look like? Well, this is what I believe, that when Jesus came forth from the tomb. Now listen, this is is really important. Listen carefully, lest I'm misquoted. When Jesus came forth from the tomb, he stood in the state that the original Adam was supposed to have stood in. I believe that. When Jesus came out of the tomb, at that moment, he looked exactly as Adam should have looked had it not been That he fell because he disobeyed God. Jesus, the Bible tells us, was the second Adam. The second Adam was to recover all that was lost by the first Adam. And I realize to our 21st century Christian ears, what I'm about to say almost sounds like heresy. But to be candid with you, I'm not the one in heresy. I'm here to declare that most of the church world right now is in heresy. Because we've been led to believe certain things that aren't exactly so. Jesus rose to demonstrate what is not only possible, but what he desires. A generation that literally exercises dominion over death. You say, well, sure, 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 pastor. Have you reached that point? No, I haven't reached that point. I haven't even reached the point where I've laid hands on somebody to see them raised from the dead yet. Now, praise God, I've tried. But just because we currently have no one in that particular position just because we currently have no one who has matured to the point that we've not seen this demonstrated like this word says can be that doesn't mean it doesn't exist there was hundreds of years where there weren't people born again until luther got a revelation of that and suddenly people got born again just because you haven't found one doesn't mean it doesn't exist And I'm here to declare right now that there were people in the Bible. Let's just take a couple of them like Enoch. You remember Enoch? The Bible says that Enoch walked with God and he was not. Enoch had such a relationship with God, apparently had such revelation in this relationship with God that the moment came when God looked at Enoch and he said, there's really no reason for you to continue to be on earth because we have become uh, such friends and we have become one. Why don't you just come on up and just be with me? And the Bible says that Enoch did not taste death, but he actually was translated or God received him. Now hear this, it's important. Enoch was born under the same curse you and I are born under. Enoch put his pants on the same way I put my pants on. Enoch did not glow in the dark. Enoch was a human being. Who had something unveiled in his heart that said, there is more to my relationship with God than what I'm currently enjoying. I'm going after it. And he reached the place where God said, I I see it. And he exercised dominion over death. It happened to Elijah too. Born under the same curse you and I were born under. I mean, we read these stories and we think these guys are unique or somehow that they they break the mold. Listen to me. They were born after Adam. Everybody who was born was born in sin. They were born in sin as much as you and I were born in sin. And all of a sudden we find these people all through the scriptures who reach a place in their relationship with God and I don't suppose they got there overnight, but their, their hearts were open and they had such revelation and such confidence that God was able to do extraordinary things through them. Can you imagine? Enoch and Elijah were under an old covenant. You got Joshua, who the Bible says, in its way, made the sun stand still. Now we all know that that meant the earth stopped. But the fact of the matter is, is that Joshua had authority over even the natural elements. What about Philip when we get to the New Testament? who after he baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch, he gets a Star Trek experience where God beams him over, translates him over to another location. There are people just like the ones I have mentioned to you, born under the same or worse circumstances than many of us who demonstrate new creature reality. See, Pastor, you should have saved this one for a time when we didn't have the Easter crowd. I mean, you just... They're gonna think, they're gonna think you just lost it. No, 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 no. See, that's our problem. See, we've got to start preaching for where we're going. I am I, done, I'm done preaching to where you're at. We've got to start preaching to where we're going. God loves you. He reaches out to you. He sympathizes with you. He understands your trials, your tribulations, your temptations. He knows. He understands. And he does. He identifies with you. But it's not God who wants to come down and rub shoulders with you as you live in defeated existence. God is wanting to raise you up out of your defeat so you can walk with him in heavenly places. I'm not trying to bring God down to where I'm at. I'm trying to somehow open up my heart so he can get me up to where he's at. Overcoming. More than conquer. Triumphing in all things. Now what's it going to take? Listen to me now. I'm going I'm to do this real fast. What's it going to take for us to get to that place? Number one. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to paint a little picture here. I, I feel like if I can paint a picture for you. That you can begin to have something to shoot for. Something to pray about. Something to go before the Lord and say, Lord, open up the heart in this being. Open up the eyes of my heart that I might, I might not just hear a sermon and get excited about it, but that, Lord, that, that vision that Pastor painted, Lord, let it be a vision that it's mine. It's mine. The first one is this. we got to get a greater conception of what recreation means. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Listen, we have been taught by and large, and this is not wrong, it's just only a part of the story. But this is where we've stopped. We have been taught in the church that we are poor, we are weak, we are worms of the dust. You know, we are toe jam on the legs of the deity. I mean, we can barely... You say, what's toe jam? I did. Well, just I won't even give you a definition of that. We've been taught. Oh, yes, we have that somehow or another we can barely deal with Satan. Oh, Satan, Satan. Oh, he's he's powerful. I'm not denying that he is. We have been taught somehow and and, and the world empowers this as well because it makes us it makes us feel funny when we start declaring something different the world loves it when we when we preach poverty and when we preach lack the world loves that because if they can keep money out of our hands and they can keep us under the gun all the time we are no threat to them Would you, can you imagine right now what would happen what would have happened with the collapse of the economy if christians worldwide would have had a revelation of all they needed and they would have been able to amass the type of of wealth that I believe God would love to release into their hands. Can you imagine right now? The position of dominion. That the church would be in. You see we don't. But we don't get taught that. We, we aren't even real sure. In a lot of our circles we grew up in. We aren't even real sure. If God's going to even answer our prayers. Because we pray things well like if it be your will. You say is that wrong? Well it's not wrong if you know his will. It is wrong. There are certain things I know. And so I don't have to wonder if it's his will. But we've got to get this understanding of recreation that you and I are heirs and joint heirs. We must get this revelation that the enemy is defeated. We're here to exercise dominion at a greater level. We are not as others. This is, you're saying, well, you're acting like you're super, you're like some super primary citizen. Well, I'm sorry. I'm an heir of the king. I'm a child of God. I walk in humility, but I am sorry. There should be a distinguishable difference in my life and how I live. I am born again. See, born again, born again means I ain't like I was. I'm born again. And Jesus comes along and he demonstrates these things. He demonstrates his dominion over winds and waves and how he's master of the the animal kingdom. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He says, if you'll speak to mountains and say to them, move, they'll move. And we read this, and like the duck church, we'll quack, 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 quack. And we waddle on home. We need to believe who we are in Christ Jesus. I am somebody in him. Now, I ain't all that in me, but in him, I am all that. It's a greater conception of recreation. I've been recreated. I've not just been forgiven, I've been recreated. Yes, I've been forgiven, praise God. But he's recreating me into that which looks like him. Sons and daughters. Number two, what will it take in painting a picture? Well, there's going to be the fullness of divine love. Everything Jesus did wasn't motivated out of a personal agenda. It wasn't motivated because he was greedy it wasn't motivated because he was insecure it wasn't motivated because he's jealous all those things aren't even there everything was purely motivated by love love when you're going to exercise dominion at this level you better have the love of god in your heart you're just not some magician who gets to just wave your magic hand and things happen You've got to have a love of God. Let me tell you, the reason you stop wind and waves isn't so you can be cool and be somebody. You stop it in order to save people's lives. Listen, folks, if the church is going to turn hurricanes and stop forest fires, and if the church is going to have the spiritual understanding to begin to, to exercise that level of dominion, we better be doing it out of love. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that love overcomes all things. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So we're going to have to be possessed. Jesus Jesus did all that he did and became all that he became for only one reason. He loved you. Do you understand that? It wasn't because he knew he just had a throne waiting for him. And that was, you know, I'm going to be on the throne next to my father. Isn't that cool? And I can't wait till I get there because I've always wanted the number one condo in the eternal realm. Jesus didn't do it for that reason. He did it because he loved you. He looked at your life and he said, I don't want you living the way you're living. I don't want you having to experience what you experience. He looked at you and he has actually more more compassion for you than you can even imagine because right now you can't even see in some of your situations how it's killing you and jesus who sees the end from the beginning goes it's killing you and i don't want it to kill you i love you i want you to come and not only receive me and let me forgive you but i want you to let me begin to transform you and change you and to take you from glory to glory but it's going to take love number three I'm just painting a picture we're going to be fully equipped for the supernatural our issues listen to me our issues are not at their root mental or natural they are spiritual I remember after 9-11 and the World Trade Centers were brought down I remember the Spirit of the Lord speaking to me at that very moment and he said to me he said you know terrorism Terrorism is not just a natural war with an enemy of another country or another religion. It is a spiritual battle. And until we get in America that the only way we're going to stay safe and defeat terrorism is when we exercise our authority and our rights in Jesus Christ and stop the spirit of terrorism, stop the spirit of false religion, when we begin to stop the spirit of murder and the spirit of deception, I'm, you know, we don't have enough fighter jets to go over enough cities to stop terrorists. Do you understand right now, a terrorist, God forbid, could take their bombs and go somewhere in the Midwest and walk into schools or churches or walk into government buildings and blow themselves up and there's nothing we can do to stop it don't think because you live in charleston that that's better than living in new york city because unless we get a revelation that the only way some things are stopped is by spiritual means we are going to be subject to the whims of the enemy so we've got to be equipped for the supernatural the lord has furnished all this equipment but unfortunately oftentimes it's not used number four i'm just painting a picture you got to realize that the spiritual is greater than the natural. The reason we grant so much authority to the natural realm is because we are still so bound to our senses. Listen, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Every day I wake up, I get out of bed, my senses are in full operation. I'm looking at what I'm facing. I'm looking at my day. I'm looking at the challenges. I'm looking at things that can produce anxiety. I'm looking at things that aren't fitting like I want them to fit. Hear me. I understand that our senses are empowered by this life, this life in, in such an incredible way that it is so very hard for us to transcend those five senses. In fact, there are some people who would look at you and say, well, you don't even have to. I challenge that because there are some times that what you see and what you hear and what you taste and what you smell is not what God's will is. And you have got to begin to say, that may be what I see, but this is what my inner man sees. This may be what I'm hearing, but this is what God's word says to me. This may be how it's feeling at this moment, but my feelings are subject to change. And I got to get a hold of what God has done in the spirit. God is spirit. His kingdom works by faith. Kingdom things are activated by our words. We are not and were not originally designed to be ruled by our senses. Now, this is going to make some of you chuckle and I'm just going to make you aware and you can chuckle if you want. But we were not originally destined to be ruled by our senses. You know how I know that? Because when God created us, he created Adam and Eve naked. Now, that, that's quite a sight. I know everybody's sitting there going, I can't believe he just said that. it's in the Bible. But understand, you know, nowadays, that, that, nowadays that that would be so lascivious and lustful, and we twist it into something pornographic. And I, 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 I believe me, we live in a sinful world. But you have to understand, in the original pristine condition, here's Adam and here's Eve, and they're created like they were created, and there was no evil, crazy lustful twisted demonic cruddy thoughts to it it's because they weren't ruled by their senses we are ruled by our senses but they were not and so we're going to have to reach the place and again you can come to consecrate starting wednesday and we're going to help you get to that place where you understand the spiritual is greater than the natural and then finally, number five, obviously we've got to walk in wisdom and discernment. Jesus always had the right word, the right understanding, at the right moment, and you could never snag him. He was always one step ahead. Many of us today always feel one step behind. I don't believe it has to be. And here's the deal. What I'm, what I'm sharing with you isn't to make you feel, wow, I'm, just, I'm not measuring up. No, What I'm trying to share with you is this. You have satisfied yourself on something that's so far beneath where God really wants you to be. You can live bound. You can live addicted. You can live twisted. You can live in mental torment. You can live with your depression. You can live with your discouragement. Hey listen, you can live with all of your dysfunction and that verse is true that I read to you in Romans 8 that nothing will separate you from the love of God. God will love you crazy. Now it doesn't mean he loves you crazy. It means you're crazy and he still loves you. You're dysfunctional and he still loves you. You are screwed up and he still loves you. You are a basket case. And he still loves you. Listen, nothing can separate you from his love, but listen to me. You will live your life in, for all practical purposes, your own personal hell. Because you will be bound, you will be defeated, you will not get to destiny, you will not know the promises of God, you will not experience his greatness his abundance his prosperity you will not experience wholeness because you've decided that you would just soon grub around in the dirt then take the journey and become the new creation that he died and was raised from the dead in order for you to be he was the first fruit he was the first fruit but there's a whole lot more fruit he wants to come his way. Now listen to this and I'm done. That's pretty good. 11.35 and I'm done. <laughs> Romans 8.19. Really this is it. <laughs> so my pastor used to say. This is my first closing. Listen to this though. It says for the earnest expectation of the creation. In other words all the world is right now earnestly desiring, wanting, anticipating. It says, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons, and you can put in parentheses, the daughters. Isn't that good, women? The sons and the daughters of God. I know know the world right now. When they hear you're a Christian, it's like it's open season. I know that. I know you say you're a Christian and they'll, they'll pick on every inconsistency. They'll pick on every hypocrisy. They'll put you under a microscope and figure out 30 reasons why you're just, you know, you're the hypocrite. I understand that. I understand that to live out there in the world is, is, is a challenge. You got, you got people who don't want to hear you. They don't want to listen to you. They don't want anything to do with you. They've been hurt. Listen, this is the best one. I've been hurt in church before. Well, if you've been in church for longer than 30 minutes, you've been hurt there in a Sunday that doesn't go by. I couldn't walk out of here and say, I've been hurt in church today. I I know you're going you. Yeah. I mean, if we want to be hurt, we can be hurt. I mean, I mean, there's a thousand reasons you can determine whatever it is that you're just going to go ahead and, and, and go the way of the world. But here's, here's the thing that The world will never tell you, but God will tell you, and I'll tell you because of his word, it's this, that they secretly want you to succeed. They secretly want you to be victorious. They secretly want to find somebody out there who says they love God and that's serving the Lord. They secretly want to know that what you say and what you found really works. They're eagerly anticipating and wanting and desiring a manifestation an unveiling a revealing you know what all the world wants to see is if if it works and it is what it says it is can i at least see it in your life and i don't think they're over expecting all they see are bumper stickers that say i'm not perfect just forgive it I know you're forgiven, and I know you're not perfect, and I'm not either. But will somebody join me in pursuing new creature status? Really, you aren't even joining me, aside from the fact I'm just on the journey. Would you just link up with Jesus? Who says, I've got something so dramatic, so distinguishably different that you can overcome the world. Is that that not a tilt? No, no, no. You don't have to draw. It's not an even thing. You aren't drawing. It's not a draw. The match play isn't tied. You can overcome the world. That's what the resurrection means. He came forth with the keys of death and hell. I can't think of anything more debilitating than death and hell. He says, I've got the keys and does says you want them to i I believe there's some that want that amen amen a new type of christianity stand with me will you please I'm just letting it sink in. Let's just take just a moment. I know it's quiet. Let it be quiet for just a minute. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. And let's let some things just sink in for a minute. For some of you right now, I'm believing that God has unveiled your eyes to see your personal need for Jesus Christ. You maybe have never made a decision or have formally opened up your heart and said, come into me. There may be others of you that have walked away from him, whether it be by your choice verbally or whether it be just by your wayward action. But I'm here to tell you that you've got, to, you've got to come, as he says to come. And the Bible says this, Paul says this, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and this is interesting in Romans, he said, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Wow. You got to get a revelation that, He took your sins. He exchanged them for his righteousness. You believe that he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says that's when salvation happens. You can't keep walking in the dirt. You can't keep grubbing around in worldly, sinful, silly things. You say, I'm done with that. I'm turning just like a prodigal does comes back to the father's house and he cloaks them in a robe and he gives him a ring and he says you're a new person you're a new person holy spirit right now there are people in all different places in the journey in this building some perhaps are here and for the first time they've never had their heart opened up to the to the gospel And Lord, they're dealing with this on the front end. There are others that perhaps have been in church life years and years and years. And Lord, they've lived so far beneath where you have designed them to live. Lord, I'm praying this day that there would be true, life-altering decisions that would be made. Lord, you know me, I have gotten so accustomed to giving invitations and the folks here are used to me giving invitations and lord i give invitations and invitations and i've watched many many people come to the front And lord some of them have made life altering changes and had you do amazing things and others have come and well lord nothing much really i guess has ever happened lord i want to do right before you today but lord i'm, I'm preaching today for transformation Lord, I'm I'm preaching and teaching today, Lord, for not just a new heart, but Lord, some new minds, renewed minds, that Lord, whatever it is in your, in your ability, because it's not mine, no human being can do this, whatever it is that you do in your ability that can reach into a human being's system and radically change them, their outlook, the way they think, the desires. Lord, I'm praying this morning that you begin to do that. And I'm going to take about 60 seconds, and and I really like everyone just to hang tough. I'm really not going to take very long, and I'll cut you loose. I know people have things to do today. But if you're saying right now, I need a heart change, I need a mind change, whether you would say this morning, this is my first time to the front of a church, whether it's a renewed trip whether you're just getting your life right or whether you're a believer and you're just saying man I have got to get a hold I have got to get a hold of this this recreated mindset so I can begin to live victoriously right now I'm asking people and one has already come that you just slip out no music no atmosphere I know it's easier that way when there's a little mood music but you're breaking out of your senses you're not needing your heart to be messed with with music at this moment there's a place for it but right now you're just simply saying i need i need to get a hold of who i really am and who i can be right now on resurrection sunday morning listen we can preach the resurrection but it does you no good unless it becomes real in your life resurrection sunday morning i don't care first time tenth time 150th time 500th time you've made your way i'm believing that this morning there's a spirit of transformation that's here just you guys can slip in and slip around and just begin to say lord change my mind renew my mind to think as you think recreate in me lord a new heart cause me lord to be a new creation i i'm tired so many of us, what has happened is we've just put on a new coat, but the old man's still in that same, that same suit of clothes. you got some new clothes on, but it's the same person on the inside. God doesn't want to give you a new coat. He's wanting to give, a, give you a new person. Someone that's never existed before. Amazing. Come on, cry. just cry out to him, folks, just as we're standing here these last few moments. Father, right now I ask you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, that you'd begin to hear the cries. You've got to ask right now. Ask out loud. Just say, Lord, I'm turning from where I was and I'm moving towards you. I want everyone, just say it in your own words. I'm turning from where I was and I'm moving towards you. Lord, forgive me for grubbing around in the dirt, for waddling away my life. <laughs> but Lord, today I'm determined to lay hold of your word and to lay hold of Resurrection power this morning. Lord, I believe that the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead can and will give life to my mortal body this morning. Lord, I've come to an altar and I've walked away and I've not seen maybe the kind of change I'd like. But Lord, I'm available for life-altering change to take place today in my life. Come on, you got to ask Him for it ask him for it. you got to ask him for it come on ask him ask him ask him come on you say i'm thinking about it don't think about it anymore ask say lord i need i need change he'll hear your heart just with the words that come out of your mouth lord i'm tired i'm tired of living defeated i'm tired of living as as a, a a a bullseye for the enemy i'm tired of being his toy i'm tired of being his punching dummy Lord, you said that the enemy was to be crushed beneath my feet. And right now it feels like he's crushing me beneath his feet. Lord, I need this change to happen in my life. Let resurrection power begin to move in people's hearts and lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want everyone just to stay right where you are with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Pastor Noah, grab you a microphone, wherever that microphone is that you guys use. And I'm going to have you in this morning. And and, and he's going to pray a prayer, so just come up here on this stair. And he's going to pray a prayer, and I want you just to seal the work of God that's gone on in their hearts. Trace and I are going to slip back so we can catch a few hands this morning. But folks, I want you to listen right now. You've got to link up what Pastor Noah's going to pray right now, all right? It can be just an ordinary ritualistic prayer or it can be,
1: it can be literally life altering. Thank you, Lord.
0: It's only going to take about 60 seconds, two minutes, and this service is done.
1: Thank you, Lord.
0: But we want you to be changed. Amen. And then he'll cut you loose. Amen. It's yours.
1: Amen. Father, we celebrate today. Lord, this is a, this may appear as a somber moment, but Lord, this is resurrection power displaying itself in our midst. Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will just come and seal in the hearts of your sons and daughters as we stand, Father, even right now before the altars, before your throne, God, as Jesus was raised to sit at your right hand. Lord, we are heirs to the kingdom of the throne, and we too sit at your right hand. Lord, we too sit with the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. We have the power to look down on our circumstances from that perspective. Father, we do have the power even right now through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ to speak those things that be not as though they were in our lives, to speak healing in the areas of sickness, in our families, to intercede on behalf of those who may may not have made those decisions um, to walk towards Christ. But Father... We stand before you today. We embrace that power. We embrace the Holy Spirit that you left here for us to comfort us, Lord. In times just like this, when we come on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, to stand before your throne and embrace the gift of life eternal. I I can't even express in words, Father, what it means to us. As we go out today, Lord, let us not waddle home, but Father, let us be conscious of the power that dwells within us. Let us embrace that. Father, let us speak to the demons in our lives. Let us speak to those things and be bold about proclaiming the life of Christ in our lives to no longer walk like the world walks, to lo- no longer um, try to measure up to those that we see on television or the radio or Lord, even bosses or friends and family. but Father, let us aspire to be more like you. Give us a consciousness of what it means to love like you love. Father, we love you so much. We honor you today. And it is in your mighty name that we pray. Amen.